he just asked me if I wanted to wait and get set up before he, I said no. So let me just flip open here. How's everybody doing? This needs to move. We're going to read like the entire Bible tonight. So brace yourselves. Okay, my name's Jesse. Hi, guys. So like a month or so ago, I think it was, Isaiah told us about this topic, Beauty for Ashes, and that he wanted us lady leaders to bring it to you. And I was like, this is going to be so easy. Beauty for Ashes is like the easiest topic ever. And then like three weeks went by, and I was like, uh, I don't know what to write. I have nothing. And so, you know, Jesus showed up, though. So here it comes. So the term Beauty for Ashes is from Isaiah 61. And the prophet Isaiah was prophesying over God's people. And so a prophet, by definition, is somebody who declares the word of the Lord. So whatever God told them, they tell people. And that's what a prophet's job was. So Isaiah was prophesying um, over the Israelites who were in captivity. Um, They were being oppressed. There was political turmoil. And they were confused and afraid and pretty sure that God had left them. And um, Isaiah was telling them, though, what God's plan was for the Israelite nation and was prophesying about the Messiah that was to come and how it would be awesome and it would change the world and it was great. And so these set of verses are also used for, like, encouragement a lot when people are going through hard times or difficult seasons. Um, So that is a little bit of context for these verses. So we're going to read, I didn't give any verses to anybody for any PowerPoint. So if you have a Bible, open it up or, you know, click your app. Ready? Go. Nobody's moving. Okay, you're moving. Anybody have a Bible over there? You came to church with no Bible. It's like leaving your house with no panties on. Can I say that? My bad. Rewind. Uh, So Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 3. So this is Isaiah talking to God's people. And it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair they will be called oaks of righteousness a planting of the lord for the display of his splendor i forgot to pray so let's do that god we just thank you for tonight um i pray that you would speak through me god that whatever you would love for me to say god that i would be listening to your voice whatever i've written down god that you would use it and whatever you want to throw in my head right now to add in god that you would use that and i just set myself aside god that your will be done god that you be glorified here tonight and we love you in jesus name amen continuing um so This is only the first part of the prophecy. You can like read the rest of chapter Isaiah 61, Isaiah chapter 61 later. Go ahead and do that. I was going to say if you want to, but just go ahead and do it. Um, So let me find my notes. 
Oh, so I was like, what does the term beauty for ashes mean? And so I did a little bit of reading and I tried to borrow some books from a friend, but she got really busy and I'm not gonna point any names out because she's in this room. And so I just did all the searching I could do online and I found a few things, but um, anyway, that was beside the point. Um, the Israelites had a custom where when they were grieving or mourning or in deep sorrow, they would dress in sackcloth, which I always pictured like um, a potato sack like a race, you know? But it was actually like a coarse material often made from like goat's hair, which does not sound comfortable. So they were like uncomfortable and like itchy and they would dress in sackcloth and cover themselves in ash to, um, to an outward expression of the grief and sorrow that they were feeling. So, um, and I was like, okay, so the sorrow and the grief are ash, ash, let me enunciate that. <laughs> and God is going to exchange that for beauty, for restoration, for healing. And while I was, you know, thinking all these things and trying to do research and all the stuff, half of the West Coast was on fire. And there was lots of ash and lots of smoke. And so then I just got to thinking about, you know, forest fires and all the things that, you know, smoke and ash and that come with that. And so I um, did a little reading. And you guys, I found out so many things about forest fires that I'm really excited to share with you. So, um... Let me find where I just was going to read from. Okay, found it. So the first thing to grow back after a forest fire is wildflowers and grass. So through a huge forest just burned to the ground, you can see wildflowers and grass growing up almost within like three to four weeks it starts to grow out of just a huge forest that is dead. And I just thought that that was a beautiful picture. Like if you were to see a picture of like a flower covered with burned things, like that would be a pretty picture. Um, then other things I learned were um, the, um, nope, I already read that one. When a tree is burned, the leaves are destroyed. So the exterior leaves are destroyed, but the bark, I'm gonna get real scientific, the bark protects these epicormic cells Yep, um, and the bark protects them. I lost my spot. Try again, ready. Where did it go? Yep, the, they're protected by the bark and these, these epicormic buds are triggered into life by the fire. And um, it starts to produce other green leaves enabling the tree to survive. Um, but that's not even all I learned, there's more. So I read that forest fires are sometimes intentionally burned to control an area or to get rid of old stuff and to make room and opportunity for new growth. Guys, forests are amazing. And did you realize that at the end of 61, verse three, it says they will be called oaks of righteousness. That's a tree um, planted for the display of his splendor. And that reminded me, the new growth part, Let me, I'm gonna literally read my entire New Testament to you tonight. So John 15, two says, my hair is in the way. Um, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Um, and I'm not a gardener or a botanist, but um, I do know that you have to cut off some of the branches and some of the growth, some of the fruit, in order to make room for more fruit. And that, that's a sacrifice, and it might hurt to lose some of that fruit, but it is necessary for more growth. 
that was not the end of the page, but I was going to turn it. Um, okay, there's even more. So I read that fire kills diseases and insects that prey on trees, and the fire provides nutrients that enrich the soil, and with fewer plants absorbing the water, the streams around are fuller, and that benefits other types of plants and animals. Okay, there's one last thing I learned, maybe two more. Um, I read an article, and I'm going to read it because... I got it from another source, and it's in quotes. So I cannot, you know, paraphrase. Flowers that bloomed, nope, that's the next one. When a forest is burned, what comes back may not resemble what was lost. And flowers that bloomed almost a century ago, a century is 100 years, um, that they produced seeds that have been lying in wait underground until heat from fire and sun stimulate them to germinate. And people always say that, you know, when you're young, the things that are planted in you, like, are for later in life. And, you know, the, the word that you put in your heart when you're young, or even, you know, like last week, it, that still works, that it will come to fruition in your life later. And so... I just, you guys, that was amazing. I love forests now. Like, we should take a field trip. And... Um, so let me try to put some of these things together um, to make a picture here. So life hurts, and there are fires, burns emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, all of it. Like, we all go through stuff. Everybody's been burned in some capacity, right? Yeah. Raise your hand, right? If you have not raised your hand, you are lying right now. Um, so we grieve, we mourn, we go through unbearable pains and losses, and some are sins that we commit, and some are things inflicted on us by other people. Um, but God has promised that when we are covered in ash, in a state of death or grief, and there seems to be no life and no joy and no peace, he will take our pain, and he will take our burden, and he will give us beauty in exchange. And I love that. God is so good. So he will heal us and bring new life. But we might look different. In fact, it's like pretty much guaranteed that whenever you go through something hard or any kind of trial, you will look different on the other side of it. It's, it's basically a life guarantee. Um, okay, so I'm a, like a visual learner. And so here's an analogy. We are the tree and the leaves are like the exterior things in life, like fame and popularity, clothes, other people's opinions, even our own view of ourselves sometimes, and like material things. And sometimes a fire will come to take those things away. Not that God sends fires or like, you know, trials or hard times to our lives, but this is a fallen world. There's sin in this world, and people are free to make any choice they want, and that comes with consequences of sin and evil just kind of roaming all over. So God doesn't send fires or send struggles to you, but things happen. And um, when... Um, so when fires come, maybe some of those fires are to strip us of those external material things, to strip us down to our core, but our spirits are protected by that bark or by God. And as soon as the fire exposes our core, life begins to grow, and we start to look different, act different, and think different. Um, and maybe, you know, the fire was allowed to happen because God needed us to be in a different state and have a different mentality or an, or an outlook or view of life. <clears throat> so the promise that God made that he would exchange our grief and our sin and our death, our ash, 
for beauty, for new life, for growth, for change to better us is like a beautiful promise. One that I have experienced and I cling to because I have seen it over and over in my life that God is faithful. If my life had a mantra or a theme, it would be God is faithful because I have seen it countless times. Um, so just a little bit of backstory. I don't like share a lot about like my childhood and all those things, but here it is. So when I was four, my dad left. There's four of us girls and I was four and my sister was nine. My oldest sister was nine. There's five years between the four of us. And so we were all young and my mom was a stay-at-home mom and she was homeschooling us and my dad, you know, and so she had to go to work and we had to go to public school and money was tight. Like there was not a lot of things. Sometimes food and clothes, gas money, like it was, it was rough. Um, and so my mom had two choices, maybe a few more, but two like out front in your face choices to either lean into the fear and hate and anger and anxiety of being alone, suddenly raising four girls on your own and not having enough money for things. She could have leaned into that and really gone to some dark places or she could have leaned into the Lord and trusted him and um, not focused on the negative and focused on the positive, which is what she did and I am so grateful. I cannot even tell you. Um, she taught me and my sisters to do the same. Um, and it was a hard lesson to learn over and over that we don't know where we're going to get money for our next meal, so let's pray. <laughs> like, it was a hard lesson to learn all the time. Um, but over and over, we saw the Lord provide for us. Like, I cannot even tell you. Like, I have a few examples, but there are so many more. <laughs> so, like, people would bring us groceries and be like, hey, the Lord told me that you needed some things, and so I brought some stuff. Or they would be like, hey, Barb. My mom's name is Barb. Like, hey, Barb, let me take you out and get you a few things at the store. Or, like, we would get checks in the mail. And one night, like, my mom needed gas money, and she had to go to work, and the tank was empty. And we woke up the next morning, and she had a half a tank in her, in her tank. And we were like, what the heck? And so it was, like, a hard lesson to learn. But over and over again, in that fire that seemed to last, you know, 31 years, um, it was amazing to see God provide for us over and over. And um, there's not a doubt in my mind that God cannot provide because he is faithful. Even just like a couple of weeks ago, Justin and I, like, we're pretty good with our money. And we, like, budget. And we don't live outside of our means. And we, like, make a plan. And we stick to it. But, like, we've just moved. And we're, like, figuring out, like, when the bills are due and how much they're going to be. And, like, it's a different house. And we're not really sure. And so, like, things weren't, like, matching up. And so I was, like, okay, God. And, like, because we're so good with our money, I have not had to rely on the Lord for financial provision since we got married. There's been, like, one time maybe at the beginning but ever, like we're, we're good with our money, so we take care of things, and we, you know, we live within our means, and so it hasn't been an issue, but it was, you know, things were uneven, and I was like, okay, God, you're going to have to just, you know, work this out, and within the course of a week, this was like two weeks ago, I saw our budget and what was due and what we were bringing in line up, and I was like, how did this even happen? It was a large number, <laughs> okay, and I was like, God is faithful, and I took the opportunity to bring my children into the room, and I, I have three children, and I said, you guys, we need to pray and thank God because he provided for us, and to teach my kids what my mom taught me, that we were asking God to help us. We were asking God to make this happen, and he did it, and so... <clears throat> Come on. 
And so I was just, this last weekend even, my mom's turning 60 this year, and me and my sisters took our mom to the coast last weekend um, for a little girl's weekend trip we haven't done since my oldest sister got married like 16 years ago. And so it was really nice and refreshing, and my mom was just saying, and I don't even remember what we were talking about, but she had said, um, if your dad hadn't left, I don't know if I would have the relationship with the Lord that I have. And it just was so timely (laughs) with all these things about, you know, you're going to look different. If she had leaned into the fear and the anxiety, how much different would my life even look? I would probably not live here. I probably would not have met Justin. I wouldn't be married and have the kids I have and so many other things. But the, you know, the foundation of it that my trust in the Lord probably would not be as strong as it is now if we hadn't gone through those things and like god doesn't send those things to hurt you or harm you but when they come it is our response that makes all the difference um so i just wanted to say a couple of things it's 747 um and someone's phone is beeping um i just wanted to give a couple of things to maybe ask and answer some questions How do you choose to follow God and cling to him in the middle of a fire? So this is where all of our New Testament is going to be read out loud tonight. Um, So I have four things, which I did not give any points to anybody. So number one, be thankful. Um, Philippians 2.14 says, Do everything without complaining or arguing. I did like 50 things today with complaining and arguing. This is a hard one. It's a choice. You have to choose to be thankful. And it's not easy. Philippians 4, 6 says something. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that word there, transcends, in the Greek, I don't know how to pronounce the word, but the definition is, um, is better than. So God's peace is better than understanding. God's peace is better than having the answers to the why did he leave? Why are we poor? Why isn't this making sense? God's peace in his provision and his faithfulness is way better than having the answers to the questions that just roll around in your head for 30 years anyway and don't ever get answered. God's peace is better. Um, Then, number two, rejoice. You guys know what that means? Rejoice. To have joy. To praise God. To be excited. You guys don't look like you are rejoicing right now. Um, So 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. James 1.2-3 it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. How many of you have joy when you face trials? You do? That's amazing. Sometimes. I don't. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I tricked you a little bit. Um, let's see. Uh, Romans 5, 3 through 4. Yep. Come back. You guys catching all these, writing them down, looking them up? Uh, Romans 5. That ain't it. I'm going to find it, though. Come on. Five, three through four. 
says something here. It says, we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. I love that. It's not good. I think it's good. Philippians 4, 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. He was just told him and then he had to tell him again because it's not easy to choose joy. It's hard. I can see it on your faces. Y'all aren't joyful. <laughs> Although half of you are wearing masks, so it's hard to tell. But your eyes don't look like it. Um, number three, choose to trust, believe in, and act on the word of God which is like life-changing. If you have a Bible, you need to be reading it. And if you're reading it, you need to be doing it, what it says. <clears throat> so James 1, verses 12 says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So the Bible is telling you to persevere to have joy in the trials, and you will be blessed when you do that. If you don't believe that, your trials are going to suck, okay? Right? Okay. Um, John 16, 33. Getting there. 16, 33. I have a lot of verses. says, um, I have told you these things. Jesus was, was telling the disciples some things. I have told you these things so that in me, let me tell you what he was telling him. He was telling them how their grief would turn to joy. So I'm telling you these things so that in me, you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That's like the biggest, like positive promise ever. You're going to have trouble, but don't worry about it. I've got it. That's like a deep promise to trust God on. Like if you're going to trust him on anything, well, I won't say like this is the main one, but like this is a big one, you know, to trust him. He's got it. He can handle it. Romans 8.28. Eh, who knows it? It's our youth verse. 8.28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So good. Deuteronomy 8.3, that's at the beginning of the Bible, nearish. It's too far. Deuteronomy 8.3 says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. In this Bible, the words that are from the mouth of the Lord are in red in the New Testament. And all these words are the, the bread that I am supposed to eat every day. If I don't, I will starve. And so will you. <clears throat> John 6.63. Almost done. Bear with me. Okay. Uh, John 6.63. That's a dangerous thing to say because I will, um, says, the spirit gives life, and the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. God's words are literally life to us. 
Like, if I don't read this sometimes in the morning, my kids don't have life, you know what I mean? Like, it's a struggle to have patience if I don't have time to read this before they wake up. Like, it gives my kids life, so how much more do I need it, right, guys? All the moms said amen. Um, <laughs> shouldn't have said that on the mic. Um, John 15:7 says... If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Okay, so not like literally like a million dollars is what you wish. But if you're in God's word and in his will and like, for instance, you need food and you need gas and you need clothes, ask him. He will give it to you. He loves you, you know. Okay. Um, didn't know if you knew. James 1, 22 and 25 says, so funny because I've read this verse in like the women's Jude Bible study and in like our Genesis study at BSF and now it's like in my word here that I'm preaching and so apparently it's important and you guys need to hear it. So James 1, 22 through 25 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Did you hear that? If you do what this word says, you will be blessed in what you do. So like a mirror is there to like show you what you look like. If you forget what you look like, that's sad. But if, if you're looking in this mirror to like you check yourself and like make sure like, oh, does my hair look good? I'm seeing my teeth, you know, like this word is supposed to bring out things we need to work on to reveal things that look good and things that need work. And if you're just doing it and then like, oh, no, it's okay, I'm fine. I don't need to see what I look like. Then that's foolish because this word is here to help you, to guide you. And if you're not doing what it says, you won't be blessed in what you do. That's what it says right here. That's what my word says. Um, and number four, finally, is to have accountability. Um, so the way that my mom was there for my sisters and I, she prayed for and with us. She comforted us. She encouraged us. She guided us. She answered our questions when we had many, I'm sure. Um, and the leaders in this place, most of them are not employees here. We want to be here because we love you and we like you, most of you. No, I'm just kidding. All of you. <laughs> just kidding. We like all of you. There is not one that we do not like. What? So, wow. So, tell us things. Ask us questions. We've been through a lot of what you're going through. And we want to be here for you. And if we can help you get through some hard times, we would love to be able to. To save you some trouble, because we've already done it the stupid way. Like, that would be great. If you could go into a test and your teacher says, bring your notes, bring, bring what you took your notes on from that chapter, bring your cheat sheet, would you go take that test without your notes? We are your notes. <laughs> Don't go through a trial without having help. Like, we're here for you. That's why we're here. Like, if you weren't in this room, neither would we be. So we're here for you. So, hmm. 
Let me see. Um, that's all the things that I wrote down, but I had one more thing as I invite Isaiah up here. Um, that I just want to encourage you that any, like there's a lot of fires and struggles and things like, I understand that like my dad leaving and the hard life we grew up with is sometimes not near the struggle other people face. And like, it was a lot for me to get through. I still sometimes have daddy issues and I'm 31 and married and have kids. Like it's hard. Sometimes it comes back. And I know that there are people in here who have gone through way worse. And I count myself blessed to have the mother that I had and the family and the friends around me that I did. And we want to be here for you like that. Um, so I, I understand that even now in the world, in our communities, in our houses, there are fires and there are struggles and trials that people are facing. And I just want to encourage you that there is no fire that is too big for God. He can handle anything that you have to bring or give or say or do or yell or cry many a times have I been on my face bawling with snot and he can handle it you know and so I just wanted to encourage you that he loves you he cares about you and he wants you he made you and you were not a mistake and you are here for a purpose and that is all I have to say <laughs>